0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye, and with me, as always, Jack Manuel. And today, we are recapping a Nets win over the Thunder, one twenty four, one fifteen. Jack, it feels good to win.
2: Thank God, Nick. Thank the Lord above. Yeah,
1: it's been a rough stretch. Obviously, it's been talked about. The Nets were on a losing streak, and before that, the really the only wins they had came against the Detroit Pistons, the worst team in the league. So it really has felt like they've been losing for almost a month at this point. Uh, They played really well for two quarters. Third quarter was okay. Fourth quarter was rough. We're going to jump to that in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do you want to jump to first? Let's start with
2: the first half, Nick. Let's start optimistically because... Was that the best half of basketball that the Nets have played this year? 75 points, limiting to the Oklahoma City Thunder to only a 47 themselves, 28-point lead. Insane levels of defense and like a change in in scheme. The rotations look good. Second chance points, transition. It might have been the best half of the season there.
1: Yeah, I think it probably was. You know, you take a giant lead against a really good team in OKC. Probably not a contender, but probably a tier under contending. And you play the type of basketball that we envision for this team to be successful, you know, and that's playing great defense and getting transition opportunities, playing with high energy, you know, a lot of ball movement activity. It just felt like the ball was moving. Guys were moving. It was just very high energy. And that's not something we've been able to say about this team for the last couple of weeks. So, it's great to see that they can still do it, and guys on the team can step up and play really well. And we're not even talking about a good game from McKel Bridges; it was really a lot of other guys that came up and stepped up. And Nick Clax and Spencer Dinwiddie. It was just really good to see the team effort and the collective defensively.
2: Yeah, and there was a switch in terms of the Nets were playing predominantly switch switch, switch defense, um, and it just worked so much better. I think it put a lot more pressure on the Thunder. We heard Dennis Virginia at halftime, sort of speaking, uh, to, to uh, Yes Network, so speaking like Kevin Ollie. you know, gave us a good scout. And a lot of people have been falling in love with Kevin Ollie of late, and I think after tonight, they'll probably fall even more in love with him because the way that they honed in on their deficiencies, the way they defended SGA, handing him a lot, putting two on him, blitzing him, hedging, doing lots of different things to make him and. And forcing other guys to beat him, you know, getting hunting switches on on Josh giddy hunting switches on Chet Holmgren on the perimeter, who's you know, a good defender, but not a great perimeter defender. He's not near Claxton, so I think that the, that twenty four minutes of basketball is going to live in my head for a very long time, and that's the blueprint for what you should you watch that tape. And You watch the last quarter tape, and you go, How can we be these two different teams in the same quarter? And I think some of that is on Jacques Warren's rotations or lack thereof or lineup combinations in the fourth quarter. But that first half of basketball, you know, the second chance points, the offensive rebounding, you know, the OKC make us look like you know prime Dennis Rodman when it comes to rebounding. So they were just they were honing in on the weaknesses of OKC and really getting aggressive and, and forcing the issue and allowing What we've been wanting for so goddamn long, getting it in transition by forcing turnovers. Yeah, and I think uh, switching uh, obviously is a thing that
1: we've advocated for for a while, especially when the defense was has been so poor all season long. And we saw, you know, at the end of last season for that little segment post trade deadline, this was a good defense, and they were switching majority of the time. So I think going back to that, you know, going to your roots, and I think it also allows Nick Claxton to excel. You know, and Clax when he's locked in defensively making plays, it feels like he has more energy offensively. You know, he was just hustling out there. Energy was turned up, you know, running in transition, running in opportunities to cut to the rim. A monster on the boards. I thought he had a really good game in this one. Uh, you mentioned the game plan. I think the interesting thing about Kevin Olley and the game plan would be, I would assume it's been his duty to make the game plan for majority of the season. You know, unless that's a change that Jacques Vaughn has made. Over the course of, you know, the last couple of weeks or something like that. So that's something to just think about. Uh, and like you said, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I thought his energy was just like so good. And especially with that second unit where the second unit didn't really lose juice. And we've seen in some games, in this losing streak where the second unit just hasn't had that level of chemistry and the level of impact. And tonight we saw that.
2: Yeah, Dennis Smith, Savage Jr., 6 of 11 from the field, 12 rebounds, six of them offensive, seven assists, two steals, plus 14 for his 13 points. You know, Floating with that triple-double, You know, it was the second unit with him and Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas in the first half before he sprained his ankle on it, Chet I'll give Hong some green. credit to
1: Royce O'Neal too. I thought he made some really good passes on the second unit.
2: Yeah, I think all of them were really forcing the issue down low and yep. causing the defense to collapse, causing the defense to make rotations and allows the Nets to be efficient from the perimeter and efficient inside. It was like dunks and threes a lot of the time and layups. And because that, that was a product of the defense and that was a product of the aggression of Dennis Smith Jr., who was it felt like he had like 18 lobs to Nick Claxton tonight yep. as well. It's like Spencer and, and is a pick and roll combination that leaves something to be desired. I think they've been pretty efficient. I think the numbers are actually better than we probably do think, but those two just didn't miss. And it just feels like something I was thinking of the other day when I was just thinking about the Brooklyn Nets in general, because it, it's actually been a little bit of a a chance to both of us been on a pod together and me individually, just thinking about the team that the Nets in general have feel, felt like too nice and just mm-hmm. like passive and, because you've got like a Mikael Bridges who's all fun and vibes. Cam J, the Twins, cool. But when the Nets look good, there's an aggression. There's a swagger to it. And Dennis Virginia brings that. Yeah. Like Dennis Jr. brings that. And he mean brought mugging. that out of clack. Yeah. And he brought that out of clacks too. And that in turn sort of like just feeds an attitude that I think... In basketball, there's an intangible sort of thing that I think helps the team overall, and I think Dennis Wood Jr. makes a big imprint on that. I think Derron Sharp has, in the past, didn't play a lot tonight, but yeah, Dennis Wood Jr. and Nick Claxton were our two best players tonight by a country mile. And without their efforts in the first half, and even hanging around in the second half, like Dennis Wood Jr. hitting a three, you know, his aggression, Nick Claxton getting a billion offensive rebounds, like Dennis Wood Jr. was, the, the Nets don't win this game. It's as plain and simple as that.
1: Yeah, and I think one reason the pick and roll works with Dennis Smith Jr. and Nick Claxton is Dennis Smith is trying to get downhill. You know, he's trying to attack and be aggressive and he's forcing the big to recognize that and that gives Claxton an opportunity to utilize his speed and really sprint to the rim. You saw a couple times where he just slipped and he was quick and it was just an easy pass and Dennis Smith Jr. hit him. And I think also it's just like he's an actual point guard and sometimes, you know, Dinwiddie's just had a weird season where he hasn't really played well. And I think Dennis Smith just found an opportunity tonight to really just click and make things work. And like I said, I think the switching thing really matters to Klax because it allows him to excel and make plays. And when you make plays defensively, you feel good. And when you feel like you're in the zone, it does a lot for you. So I think overall, it's good to see him play at a really high level. Obviously who knows what's going to happen with him long-term with the Nets, but even as a potential trade and obviously people made the joke a lot tonight, you know, he's auditioning for OKC, which could be a possibility. So, you know, Good for him to come out and just play really strong and aggressive and grab eight offensive rebounds tonight.
2: Yeah, it's insane the the boards that he was getting. Some some back tap outs in the last quarter as well, which gave the Nets some extra. And some possession. of it's just pure activity. Yeah, and it's just him like going, Oh, okay, I've got the probable rookie of the year on me who makes me look like prime Shaq. Like yeah. <laughs> when Nick Claxton is the guy that's bodying you, that's saying something. And Nick Claxton barely bodies five centers in the league. So this is one of those five, I guess. But yeah, it was just used and the the play of the night from him, you know, he had some good defensive sequences as well. But it was the offensive sequence where he finished with his right and he had like Chet Hongwood on him. He's like, yep. you know what? I can probably put you in the, the 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 spin cycle here. And he like bullied him and finished with his right. I'm not I you'd rarely seen Nick Lackson finish with his right hand. He loves the sort of like lefty little finish. But he's just uh, he was on it. Like, and I think clax is a product of confidence and energy. And yeah. when involvement. And involvement. Like when he gets some touches, when he get when he gets a screen, when he gets an offensive board. And look, seven to ten from the free throw line. They tried to do you know hacker clax and Jacques Vaughan made the right substitution, putting DFS in for a little sequence, so it got down to the two-minute mark. But yeah, Nick Claxton was was clax city tonight. Obviously, I think the the discussion surrounding him and do you read this as like you know the what Nick Claxton is as a center in general? No, this is probably an exceeding expectations performance because of the right matchup. But if the Nets continue to play switch, as you were alluding to Nick, then we'll get the continued defensive dynamo that we got from Nick Claxton last year, and that's a base level of a guy that can earn 20 million dollars in free agency, maybe even more. I, I've sort of said you know the range seems to be extending day by day, but. Focused it on this game, we got the W and Clax City was back and it was great to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, Clax has been a monster on the boards essentially since the last Detroit game. You know, 11 rebounds against Detroit, 12 against Washington, 16 against OKC the last time. That Pelicans game, which was a blowout, he only had three, only played 20 minutes that one. But against Houston, 13 and then 13 tonight against OKC. So nice to see him trying to have more of an impact in that area, especially offensively. And I think that's something, you know, for you to just kind of do every single night you know i think even against the bigger centers he can use his energy and activity to have an impact in that area but
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: I think Spencer Dinwiddie had a bounce back game in terms of scoring. You know, This is probably the most aggressive he looked in terms of trying to score the ball in the paint. And it's been missing all season long. And I think that's why he's really struggled a lot, too, is because teams are understanding like when he's running pick and roll, he's just looking to pass. He's not going to the rim or trying to win his one on ones down there. And tonight we saw him look to do that. You know, he looked to get fouled, but he also looked to finish a shot. He went at Josh Giddy
2: more than a handful of times in this one. Barbecue a, chicken, Josh yeah, Giddy. Barbecue chicken, Mike. Yeah, and look, Spencer Dinwiddie's line tonight it was wonderful. 7-12 from the field, 3-7 from 3, 6-6 six six from the free throw line, 23 points, 4 assists, 3 rebounds, a block, only the two turnovers. It was the driving. Driving yep. Dinwiddie is what looks great. And when he's driving to score, or driving to at least put the defense under pressure because – He's a guy that that should be and has been a strength of his in the past. I remember in podcasts in years past, we've spoken about like it was him and LeBron James that are like two of the best drivers in the league when it comes to scoring and efficiency there. If Spencer can use his game inside and out, because three of seven from three from him is great. Like he's been 32% around that sort of range this year, and he's been bad. And I think all of the Nets should be doing that. Like, I think Mikhail Bridges should be doing that. I think Mikael Bridges should be driving and getting, like, getting to the line and then using that confidence to seeing the ball go through the rim, which we sort of speak about the intangible sort of energy and confidence that you get and let that feed the mid-range and feed the three-point game. Spencer Dinwiddie driving looked great. And the Nets look so much better when they put pressure on defense. It doesn't matter if it's Rudy Gobert or Drill and B down. They continue to drive because they get open looks on the perimeter when the defense collapses around a Spencer, around a DSJ, around a McHale, around the Klax, whoever it might be. The Nets have good passes. Royce O'Neal, as you've alluded to as well, Nick. So... Spencer using this game. He's been inconsistent as hell this year in terms of his scoring, in terms of his just efficiency. But this is a night where you get the the steady Spence, the Spence that is driving and making an impact on the team in multiple levels, and that's what the Nets need from him. Um, and they need it for him in consistent fashion.
1: Yeah, it's just been a weird season from him. And then, like we said, he's been bad. You know, at a lot of different points, especially over this previous stretch, and it's just like. Why aren't you doing this more? And I think tonight he wasn't looking to play perfect. He was just looking to play basketball and make plays and not necessarily get an assist but make the right pass and then maybe it's a secondary assist or something like that and you point out something earlier i meant to touch on was the switching stuff and them trying to attack switches on okc and they weren't always looking to score with those switches sometimes they were just looking to create an advantage and that's what they've missed they've missed creating advantages for each other and playing team basketball you know in the past month it's been a lot of just iso stuff and looking to score you make you know you are everybody's had tried to be the engine of the offense rather than trying to have a team engine that you know kind of plays off each other and we saw what it can be and obviously tonight is a level of an outlier because the team hasn't played this way consistently over the course of any stretch of the year but it's a nice flash to have an idea of what maybe it could be at
2: times yeah the net's best offensive player is cam thomas and he should play an extended period of time and he can create offense unto himself he showed that through consistent spades you know after missing 20 straight shots he hit three in a row and all of them were wet as hell like it was just money from him got to the layup line which was a nice little feed for him and it felt like his catch and shooting from three and stuff and i think what you're alluding to nick is what the net's identity should be it's like we can gil- kill you by like death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Not by like one guy being like a goddamn superstar because the Nets don't have that. Mikel Bridge has been po- pretty poor this season. Cam Thomas has had his role been-, been chopped and changed. Like try and just do the right things and have like principles rather than expecting your talent to win because the Nets don't have enough high level talent to beat a team like in isolation sort of play like Kyrie or Luke or, or KD or whatever you gotta do like fundamental things for a team which is what they did tonight for two and a half quarters and that's why they beat a team that has been one of the best in the league so far this year like a top five team in a lot of power rankings top three in some people so it shows you the blueprint and that's a blueprint you try trying to emulate as much as you can, like maybe you you, you can out talent teams like the Wizards, even though the Nets didn't, or the Blazers or the Pistons, which they barely did. But overall, you got the the game plan, you got the blueprint. Try and stick to it as much as you can, and hopefully, a guy like Bridges, a guy like Thomas, who should be the two offensive engines, are able to like lead the team like they did against the Bucks a little bit. But yeah, I think team basketball is what the Nets should be aiming for consistently, game after game after game after game.
1: Yeah, I think for Cam, too, it's like relying less on ISO. You know, you saw him tonight come off some dribble handoffs, come off some screens, not try to do it all on his own and got some of those easier shots, and then went back to shooting a little bit more from three, which I think is important for his game. And I think over the course of the last two games, he's kind of played more within the offense where he was pressing a little bit, coming back, where his minutes were getting cut, his role was all over the place. Now he's just kind of you know going with the flow and just playing basketball a little bit more. And obviously he still needs to make strides as I think as a creator, you know, and setting up others,
2: but it's nice to see him put up some points. The one thing I'll again CT obsessed maybe making a point against what you're saying with his playmaking. That sort of lob that he threw to Clax in the second quarter, I think it was I think he's growing in, in his awareness and i think this game sort of showed that because i don't think he had a lot of playmaking opportunities but for me what i saw was like the catch and shoot where he was just willing to throw that sort of quick trigger which i think all of the Nets should have and mikhail bridges could learn a thing or two from that too it's just like don't overthink it like you guys are in the nba you're all like incredibly talented dudes you can all shoot the ball from all three ranges however you want to do it but yeah, I think it's just a bit more instinctual basketball because Cam Thomas by nature is like a hooper. So that guy should be able to like score from anywhere and I think it was great to sort of see him after the game uh, in the previous performance uh, against the Rockets where he was you know cold and he's been cold for the last two games in a bit. He was like, "Hey, I'm human. Like uh, this is going to happen to me." And he was unfazed, like and I just love that about him. I think that's one thing. That we might not have spoken about a lot, Nick, is Cam Thomas's growth and maturity and attitude. You know, we heard like in summer league and stuff, the Steve Nash little digs here and there and that sort of thing. Whereas now, you know, he's not really doing anything to to distract uh, against like Jacques Vaughn or do any sort of detrimental stuff that you might see from like Kaminga or whatever it might be. Even though some of it is warranted, and it's just like we would be probably be on his side, but there's a level of just steadiness to to his mentality right now and he's still sort of like whatever role it is if i'm coming off the bench i'll do it and uh i really like that I, I think a lot of other probably nets fans do as well i just think he deserves a bit of credit for that
1: yeah he's definitely matured from a media perspective and handling pressers and just the comparison of the last couple seasons and getting back to the play you mentioned with the clax lob obviously the past didn't connect it's it, you can see the 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 growth and also you can see you know still an area of need because the play actually started off where Clax had a guard sealed underneath the rim and cam missed him and i was he like was well, trying
2: to feed him I, I you could yeah. see he's like i don't have confidence in my like if that was spencer you'll probably get that pass yeah because or DSJ.
1: It's not, I mean, not to take a shot at Cam Thomas, it it wasn't an extremely difficult pass given, you know, who was on who and Claxon's ability to jump and all those different things. But you do like the idea that he tried to go back to Clax almost in a forceful way, but that's okay if he's forcing passes or trying to force playmaking, that's fine, you know, because that's meaning that he's trying to improve in that area. And I think, again, that's going to be one of the most crucial things for him is improving as a playmaker and a passer and just becoming a full piece of the offense until he takes his game to the next level.
2: Nick, who, who do we go to next? Because I think there was a lot of positives, and we discussed—you know—an overwhelming amount of positives. Like the role players are pretty good at DFS. Royce had their moments. I think Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges were two of our lesser players yeah. tonight. Is the is the Cam is the Mikael Bridges discussion, Nick? Like, what what's going on with with Mikael Bridges right now? Because it just seems to me like, and we had our discussions early in the game when the Nets were hot about you know, a few negative things towards Mikhail Bridges that I think are warranted in terms of his defense, but his offense looks pretty paltry as well. Like, again, it looks better on paper when you get to that sort of 17 points, 5 of 13. It's not like awful where it's like 0 of 20 for for Cam Thomas over an extended period. But the thing is, I still have confidence, more confidence in Cam Thomas. If he's going to go 0 of 10, I'd still rather have the ball in Cam Thomas's hands because I think he has a, a... His mentality offensively is like he's confident, like, he's Dion Waiters-esque. He's just like, I'm just going to put it up, man, and, like, I know if if I'm missing. Like, defenses aren't hounding Mikael Bridges in a way where it's putting him off his game. He's just playing out of rhythm, it feels. Yeah,
1: he's almost psyched himself out, it feels like. You know, you're watching him play this game, and there's opportunities for him to knock down shots, you know, take shots that we've seen him hit consistently, you know, pre the last month or so, over the course of his career, you know, where they're just middies, easy, mid-range, short-range shots, just going up, trying to finish layups. Right now, he's just pressing so much. He's second-guessing. He's hesitating. He's not, you know, being aggressive and natural. He's just not in sync in any way whatsoever. And you can see it, you know, and it's affecting every part of his game. And defensively, you know, we talked about it, like you said, you know, his feet look like they're in quicksand. You know, he's getting beat by Josh Gideon one-on-one situations and just getting cooked. It's just like, dude, you used to smother the best stars in this league and make them uncomfortable and be like, wow, this guy has to work to score 20 on me. And now you're getting cooked by solid to okay players rather than, you know, forcing turnovers. You know, he had one highlight defensive play where I think he had a block on SGA in this one. But other than that, it was just like, man, you you aren't doing anything good on the court right now. And we like Mikel Bridges. We want him to be successful. It just sucks to see him psych himself out this much.
2: Yeah, the inconsistency is, Pronounced right now on both ends of the floor, like DSJ. I'd rather have him on a, a primary sort of guy on the. He's going anyway. to hound him. He's going to hound him, and
1: Mikel is just not hounding anybody. And he, not to say his defense was bad last year when he joined the Nets, but it wasn't necessarily great either. We've yet to see that McKel smothering defender in a Brooklyn Nets uniform consistently.
2: Yeah, I just want like, like sort of alluding to the earlier topic point of talking about the attitude, the confidence, whatever, like. Talk yourself like do the M the Michael Jordan sort of shit where you psych yourself up in a way by like just doing mental games with yourself. Hey, I need to like destroy this Washington Wizards team because you know th- th- this guy spoke shit about me behind the scenes, even though it didn't happen. Like Mikael Bridges, when like at points this year where he's like he can't guard me, I keep bringing that point up. But that's Mikael Bridges when he's at his best, and he's not like by nature. A sort of guy who's going to be mean he's going to be like in your face attitude dream on green or whatever but he's going to have confidence he needs confidence and if he needs to manufacture that so be it but there's no level of consistency in his mentality or his execution or his productivity of late. it's just i'd rather get like an O of 10 game but he has like three steals and two blocks or like big defensive plays or to dump get on like somebody a, or something yeah, it just feels like there needs to be there needs to be something to light the fuse, a spark. And right now, the spark is not coming from him individually. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it's just it's rough to watch. It really is. I mean, it's just
1: the only, I guess, good thing he did tonight was grab eight boards. You know, that's something at least trying to have a level of impact. But again, seventeen points, four turnovers. It's a game where the Nets scored hundred and twenty-four points, and you know your supposed best player. Just was not very productive. I think the three-point stuff is alarming. 0-5 from three, didn't look confident from there. He's just like, just you, you feel like every shot's gonna be a miss, and it's just not fun to watch him play right now. And it's like I mentioned on Twitter a couple of days ago, maybe you know the trip to Paris could be helpful, you know, because they'll have a couple days of off basketball. Pre-Paris, post-Paris, you know, you're essentially going on some level of vacation, you know, doing some different things. Maybe you could, you know, take your mind away from it. And then maybe you'll come in with some good energy in the the big international game. So that's hopefully a saving grace. Because until until after that, it's really just like the trade deadline and the all-star break where you're gonna get a break.
2: Yeah, it needs to happen. Like he, he needs to make it happen. Yeah. He can't be waiting for it to happen. It, it feels like we say that a lot about the team overall about being reactive rather than proactive. But Mikhail needs to do the same. Like he seems to always have these sort of like 38 to 40% sort of field goal sort of percentages rather than like, you know, a 60 or a 20. Like, and that, that's just me thinking anecdotally, you've probably got stats in front of you that don't reflect that Nick, but it just feels like to me, like Cam need, Oh, not Cam, though Cam J wasn't great tonight either, but McHale just needs to like really just go at it. Like, it doesn't matter if you're wasting energy on the defensive end. Like we still expect, like you can still hit the all these shots. Like he hasn't lost his shot mechanics. He hasn't lost the game. Like I, I feel like if we didn't see the 27 game stretch from him that we saw last year, like we would maybe be going, oh, okay, yeah, Mikhail's just an okay player. But we, were, I was personally talking about, it and people were finding deep in my archives comparing him with scotty barnes brandon Ingram, jalen brown i'm like how do people find this and like i said that in march (laughs) i I said that in march last year but in saying that i I think it's relevant talking about it right now because all of those guys are playing much better basketball than he is and despite the fact that he looked good in the all-star returns he's getting a few votes here or there he's not playing like he's not playing like an all-star by any stretch
1: yeah, I mean the his first half of the season. You know, we we you know we cut the season into two halves. Right now, you know, in the month of October, he was good. You know, obviously only three games. November he was solid, shot forty six percent from the field, thirty five percent from three, averaged twenty two a game, six rebounds, four assists. December averaged twenty points a game, forty three percent from the field, thirty seven percent from three, under four assists. Now getting to January, obviously only two games, not including tonight's game. 14 points, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, 31% from the field, 29% from three. You tack on tonight, those numbers aren't going to get much better. So it's just, he's just gradually gotten worse as the season progressed. And it does, you know, does the mileage start to add up? you know, from going from the Olympics to right into the season. Is that having an effect on him? I think you could make a credible argument that that's playing a role into it, especially if you're already, you know, mentally struggling with the game and now you're physically maybe not having the same level of juice you've had over the course of the first chunk of your career. It's just a lot of things are not set up for him to be successful right now and like you said he has to change that himself and find a way to get back on track you know whatever that is saying coach you know i need to play last minutes tonight or maybe i need to focus more on one specific area whatever it is you know win one little thing at a time and then you'll get back to where you want to be
2: yeah and look i I can see the argument for it and I I hear people making that argument, but SJ also played international basketball and has led into one of the best seasons an individual guard has had in a very, very long time. So I, I, we don't know the answers. Only people behind the scenes to Mikhail himself does. So I think yeah, simplifying things, just go, Hey man, like just attack, just attack. We don't care if you have like a few turnovers here or there. We know your handle isn't amazing, but right now, you're getting easier opportunities. Like the defense is unhouding him in, in a way that they have for Cam Thomas and different stretches. So, yeah, uh, hopefully things turn around for Mikael. And if they do, the Nets are going to play a lot better because they rely on him to play heavy minutes to be a defensive and offensive anchor. And if he can't be efficient, it means that other guys need to step up. The and the the load increases for others. The burden increases for others. So hopefully Mikael can find that sort of October November sort of range. You know, that all you want is sort of twenty two to twenty four, decent enough efficiency, good defense and You'd be happy, but right now, in low
1: key, you really need his three point shooting. You need it to you be, do. you need it to be pretty good. It doesn't have to be like 45%, but really around that 40% range because the spacing is so important, especially with his ability to hit contested threes, not super contested, but shoot over guys with his wingspan. And when they don't have that, that's such an issue. Obviously, it wasn't tonight, but in other matchups, it becomes such a tool for an offense like this. And when he's not hitting, it's rough it's rough um
2: any other general rough
1: too i mean uh we just talked about him quickly nine points three of 15 from the field three of 10 from three a lot of open looks you know it's not like we're talking about a ton of difficult shots in this one you just need him to be better it's pretty simple you know and those guys weren't good you know and you expect at least one of them to play well you know if one guy has a night off it's okay and cam obviously The standard's not as high as Mikel, but again, he just signed that big contract over the offseason. Like, Dayron Sharp didn't have a good good game tonight, but that's okay. He's a backup center. He's still developing. It's not the end of the world. And you have Nick Claxton, where Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridge is supposed to be your two best wings, and they
2: weren't. Yeah, and look, to preface with, Cam Johnson over the recent pretty bad stretch has been maybe the Nets' best player. So to have an off game here is okay. Hopefully that cramp, muscle, yeah. soreness that he got towards the end of the game isn't anything too serious. But yeah, we'll give him this game. But you know the standard is high for these guys. These are our starters. These are guys that are playing 35 plus minutes. We need them to perform. It shouldn't be on Dennis with Jr., Royce and Neil, these guys to, to lead the team.
1: You're not going to get 20 from Clax and Spencer Dinwiddie every single night. You know, you're, you're going to need more from these guys. I think Cam Johnson has played well over this last stretch, but watching him, and obviously I haven't been able to be on the show. You know, I was lucky enough to start the new year with a cold, uh, <laughs> but he doesn't always like put his foot on the pedal. It feels like it's a good game, but he could have even a better game. Or maybe sometimes it's a team not getting enough shots. It'll be like, he's playing well. He's not getting enough touches. He's not getting enough shots up. And it's like, He should have 20, he should have 25, he should do more. So it's just, he always sometimes just leaves you wanting more, thinking that you could get more out of his game. The Nets don't necessarily do that. I don't know that's a component of him, the rest of the roster, the players, the scheme, the coaching, whatever it is. It's just sometimes you think there could be more from Cam Johnson, especially after signing to that contract. You'd like to see some bigger games and some bigger flashes.
2: Yeah, I honestly don't think he's that good. Like, yeah. you know, look, this isn't to be like you know, throw shade on Cam Johnson. I think he's a good wing. Good wings yeah. get paid twenty to twenty five million dollars in the modern NBA. Like, he's not Jeremy Grant. He's like sort of in that Tobias and Tobias Harris. Like, he, maybe that's the Tobias sort of might be a little bit be. better. Tobias is better. Like, yeah. no, I, I'm I'm trying to just think of guys that make like an, like Aaron Gordon. These sort of guys, Aaron Gordon, again better. better. He should be. But look, those maybe are the guys he's, that he's
1: trying to get to. Though I think would yes. be fair to say is like. They're not, you know, the first, second or third best players on their teams, but they're still impactful. And they they have like one area where they can really excel in the game. And obviously Tobias has been hot and cold throughout the last couple of seasons. But this year in a different role with James Harden not being there, I think he's starting to take that game up. Aaron Gordon does a great job of doing the little things, being impactful defensively and using his physicality. But I guess quickly before we get out of here, Jack, Lonnie Walker came back tonight you know, look like a guy who missed, you know, a month of the season and didn't really get a ton of touches in this one. So we'll see what he does in the next game.
2: Yeah, it's just good to have him back. He'll be better for the run. Yeah, exactly. All right, Jack, always
1: a pleasure. Big thanks to who listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of Americans are deficient in.